All right, folks, we're lucky to have a special guest on the Yukon Fast Break podcast, David Noble of the University of Connecticut. He is essentially uh, leading the university efforts for student support on NIL, which uh, we all know has been a big story in the world of college sports. And, uh, you know, we thought it'd be great to get the inside look on uh, how to build this thing, how things are going, and what's going on at the University of Connecticut. So, uh, David, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, to start, uh, why don't you tell us, you know, what, what is your job at the University of Connecticut, and how did you end up getting involved with, with kind of these NIL efforts? I, I wake up every morning wondering what my job is at the University of Connecticut, um, you know, and, and it's not easy to, uh, to, to get that right uh, every single day, um, you know, but uh, clearly when it comes to building entrepreneurship programs for our students um, and innovating on that space, that's where I step in. And, um, you know, we got involved at the Worth Institute in name, image, and likeness very early on because we're involved in it anyway, regardless of whether athletics were doing it or not. This is the future of how um, students and young people get involved in entrepreneurship. They, they access it uh, in the first time through their cell phone. And so when you get to uh, the collegiate athlete, the rule change in July of 2021 simply allowed the collegiate athlete to do what every other student could do. And um, so we were supporting UConn students, all UConn students, whether they're puppetry majors, communications majors, journalism majors uh, on this journey. And now we're just able to bring that opportunity to our student athletes at UConn. That's really great. So yeah, you were working with kind of like people, you know, musicians, small businesses, you know, clothing, you know, small clothing lines, that kind of thing. And basically this NIL opportunity pops up and it's kind of a a new, a new space, but very much within your domain as someone whose role is to support student entrepreneurship, basically to say, that's exactly what this is for, for UConn student athletes. Is that right? Yeah, that, that, that's precisely it. So, so the, the rule is new to everybody in athletics, right? Um, but it's old in entrepreneurship. You know, we have hundreds and hundreds of examples. Um, you know, Michael Jordan, right? Like Michael Jordan is a basketball player, but he's an entrepreneur, right? And he, he followed a pathway. So, so we were already devising new academic programming, new types of support because I call it creatorship and uh, um, a UConn alum and I came up with that term and it's just the journey from creator to entrepreneur, right? Like it's a little bit different than going into a room and thinking about how to build a product and just like spending all your energy on that. It's more about creating things that are meaningful to you. Right. And, and we, and then building content, building audience, monetizing that in different ways. Um, and so everyone at UConn, everyone in the UConn orbit is familiar with the D'Amelios, but that was a really fundamental uh, case, case example. Like a, if you were in business school, they should teach that case uh, on creatorship at Harvard School of Business, right? Like this is what happens. And I don't think there's a, there's a billion girls trying to recreate the magic of Charlie D'Amelio. 
But one of the points of, of, you know, if you go back to 1819, when she was really starting to grow on TikTok, she was authentically loved and dedicated to being a dancer. And that's what her content was about. And that's why it rose to the top. And then it attached to a huge audience. And so, you know, we see ways to do this. Like Paige Beckers is not an accident, right? Livy at LSU is not an accident. The Cavender twins are not an accident. They're, they're building content that's about them, that they love to do. They're doing it regularly. And that now they're just finding the first way to, to monetize that. Every one of the people I mentioned will have a company and a product in the next five years. I guarantee it. It's, it's just, they, they'll realize I can only make so much money if Bose sponsors me. What if I have my own speaker company? You know, it, 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 5 million is better than 500,000, <laughs> but 50 million or 500 million is better than 5 million. And like you, you start to do that math as just as a human being. Yeah, it really is a great opportunity for the athletes in a lot of different ways. First of all, to get paid for being, um, you know, elite at something, but then also, like you're saying, really to to get into that entrepreneurial uh, space, which is something that for athletes, obviously, your your athletic career and time is is um, limited, and so for all of them, kind of their long term. Uh, careers depend on kind of the other other streams of revenue, no matter how great their athletic career ends up really. And um, we've seen so many great things with with especially women's basketball, gymnastics and softball athletes across the board. And I think that's that's all really encouraging stuff. I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. But to start, you know, so take us back, you know, like you said, July 2021, this this new world we enter a new world uh student athletes are allowed to sign sponsorship deals um and i imagine even the idea of support coming from the school around this is brand new so how did that come up and then how did you how did you build that build that support structure up peter worth uh the benefactor of of both UConn basketball. So if you see the, the Worth Champion Center, that's named after mm-hmm. Peter Worth, but also the Worth Institute where I work. Um, he was years ahead on this. And he just kept saying like, I think we need to do more with entrepreneurs or with student athletes on entrepreneurship. And it's really hard because they, they, they live these, tw- these 12, 14 hour days. You know, the, the last thing they need to do is sign up to own a business that they can't even put their picture on the on the the pitch deck or the website for instance right i mean it's it's really a, it was really a crazy place in the world so um and then you look at post athletes you know like one third of them become entrepreneurs it's it's a huge number so you start to look at that and say all right how do we do it how do we accomplish it and then nil the nil rule was coming along we knew it was coming so that 2020 2021, we really started to think about what are we going to do? The Worth Institute was saying, you know, we were building relationships into the athletic department saying, hey, we're here for you. That, that you know, most, most academic and athletic departments never, ever connect or talk almost, right? And so to be able to say, hey, we have programs that work for your students and we're willing to, to, to do what we need to do to bring these programs to your students 
um, it really sort of allowed us to start this journey together with David uh, in the athletic group and not sort of, you know, butting heads and saying like, you know, there were just a lot of different factors that allowed us to think about this soberly. And, and like I said, this wasn't new to us. So we were saying there's nothing new about nil. It's only a rule book change. It's only the, the NCAA that thinks this is new. This is the world. And so this is, I mean, you, you know, your podcast, your, your, your newsletters, your, these, your YouTube channels, these things were there. Like, like we're not inventing anything. So that, that really was the basis that this was built on. We didn't start by saying, oh my God, Nils here. What do we do? This is so new. It, it's wild. Um, we did start with, hey, we need to make state rules, right? And we need to have uh, laws and, and what people thought in the first year and what nil was going to be at that early point really was, it, it wasn't reality, right? And so we created rules with the state legislature. Um, there were, there, you know, for instance, the first year you couldn't mix the, the, the name, image, and likeness in the logo. That was forbidden under the law. Then we made rules at the university that were like, hey, you know, you can't help a player on a nil deal, you know, these things. After the reality of that started the process through that first year, we were moving very slowly, developing um, a strategy essentially of what's going on. We knew we didn't want to be the first school with a collective. You saw some very, some very big failures, uh, Auburn being one of the most notable collective failures out there but there's many others. And you look at what happened with Florida again. Um, you look at John Ruiz. Uh, I went to Miami. I, I look at that as like, hey, how do you, how do you end up again with this, this guy, somebody you know, pushing the, the needle? So we really wanted to have a, a, a strategy that allowed us to support our students for what they needed um, and work with the coaches. So um, that, that, that was the first year. It was really kind of, weird and awkward and in testing and talking and learning but by the transfer portal of 2022 around april we knew you know we're going to have an academic program we're going to have classes dedicated to support our student athletes we're going to have an entrepreneurship program dedicated to support our student athletes right like we're going to have people helping them we're going to have people on videography. We're going to have people on media kits, like, like these things. We knew those two things. We also had come to terms that we're going to have to have some kind of collective, right, that, that is supporting these student athletes from the alumni area, from business area. And I think that's one of the, the big growth areas. And then, you know, we want to be thought leaders on this. Like we want to not let nil impact UConn. We want UConn to impact the future of nil, how the NCAA deals with this, how students and uh, businesses uh, engage, um, you know. And so th those were really, there was a four-pronged strategy that we built. And by the, the transfer portal, April 22, we were able to start talking to our student athletes across the campus. We were able to start talking to our alumni and say, this is how we're going to do it. And so that, that, that was a, a really hard first year because everybody's afraid. Everybody's pushing, feeling, and, you know, um, you know, people like you just, you know, it's like, oh man, like what's going on in nil? Like, oh, look at this huge deal. Paige is killing it. They're all making millions of dollars. Right. Like, and, and that's just not, that just wasn't the reality. So, um, 
you know, that first year was kind of um, just like figuring it out, really, and, and building the foundation for a solid program that can exist for 10, 20, 30 years to be able to support our program while being nimble enough to change with the nil rules. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you guys are reporting on it differently and talking about it differently today than you were two years ago. So, sure. yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the reporting on it is, um, you know, mixed. I think we've talked about that a little bit in the past. There's uh, probably still a lot of confusion. Um, and, and then I guess, like you're saying, just the fact that every school is approaching it a little bit differently. And so there's a lot of, a lot of nuance and I guess also different laws at the state level uh, that also impact this. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. My, my next question is just, you know, there's there's a large universe of, of kind of stakeholders here, right? I mean, Huge. Um, there's coaches, there's the university, there's university leadership, lawmakers. And, you know, we know that these people don't always get along together um, in the best ways, to, to put it lightly. So, you know, what what has that been like in terms of the UConn yeah. infrastructure, um, you know, uh, you have you have kind of a, some time where you're figuring it out, but ultimately you have you did get, like you said, there's some coursework. There's a there's a minor that students can take, which which sounds really great. Um, and it also sounds like you're kind of operating in a space that's different from a collective, and certainly from a school run collective. So yeah, how did you kind of reach that, and what was the university support like? Yeah, so so once we hit that transfer portal last year, we knew. We needed to be much more public with what our strategy was going to be, even where areas where it wasn't, you know, fully baked. And so the academic portion was pretty far along. We were already offering a course. We we were talking about the minor, which was approved at the School of Business about three to four months later, five months later or something like that. So we were making you know pretty good progress. But um, there's there's multiple levels of nil, right? Like page doesn't work with championship labs. She doesn't need championship <laughs> labs, right? Like, like she doesn't need, she doesn't walk in and be like, Hey, I need you to help me design what my TikToks is going to be like. Like she's good at this and she may show up at some point and say, I need X, Y, Z. And we're just going to say, yeah, it, but it's more transactional. Whereas, you know, the more, the, the great majority of student athletes, they didn't ask for no, right? They're, they, they've been focused on being the best basketball player, the best softball player, uh, best track athlete that they could possibly be. And they've achieved a, a, a very significant level of success, but they got 700 TikTok followers or 700 Instagram followers, hard to monetize those numbers. Right. And <clears throat> so that, that whole pathway is really, you know, it's, it's, it's like, Oh, of course you're on UConn men's basketball or UConn women's basketball, you must have deals just flying at you. And so we didn't think any differently in, in April of 22. Well, come to, come to reality is not that right. And reality is you have 15 different players on each team. You have 15 different stories. And so we started our, our championship labs working in the summer of 2022 with Andre Jackson and Adama Sonogo, and how could we help them find ways and advocate for them within that stakeholder group as well? So, so Worth Institute, in which our nil operation is is known as Championship Labs, um, and we support any student at UConn that has uh, influencer deals, wants to build 
uh, content creation businesses, et cetera, out of that. Um, but Championship Labs is really, we realized, oh man, we're going to have, this is, this is way bigger of an animal than we, because now we have 600 student athletes, all of them different. And so that's why working with Andre and Adama, we had the two captains of the incoming team, right? Here we are, we're working with you. And the, the worlds couldn't be any different. What we needed to advocate for Adama uh, was entirely different what we needed to advocate for Andre. Andre had an agent. He had already had some deals. He had already done some things. He had 50,000 uh, Instagram followers. You know, Adama had one post and 4,000 followers and didn't want to post, right? Like he, he, he had a very, um, a much more private life. And um, it was just, you know, that's where we started and we learned from helping them. So I made uh, more than um, enough staff uh, sit through every one of those meetings. It was like four or five staff with each player trying to learn their, learn about what are all the things in their world. And so you have parents, right? You have family, you have agents, you have uh, school administrators, you have cl class teachers. These are all conflicting you have coaches, right? You, you know, you, you have people with their, with uh, a voice in their ears telling them you should be making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, are you doing the work to make hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Like Paige is doing that work. She wants to do it. You can tell Paige wants to be on social. You, you know, she launched this great opportunity today in Minnesota. And so with Adama, we really found that Adama wants to help young children in Mali that have gone through his experience, that are going through, um, of not having enough, um, you know, enough money for an education of not knowing what their future is like of trying to learn to play a sport like basketball or soccer and, and improve their life through that. Cause that, that was the means that he had. And so that, that was how we started to build Adama's brand. And that's what it's becoming. You can see it flowering uh, out of Adama at this point where, um, and then we didn't know Hibachi was as high on the list of things you know, that, that people in, in the Yukon world would connect with, <laughs> but you know, that, that's a, that's a piece. And he, you know, I, I think, you know, he, it, he couldn't work in the United States. So we had to help him find ways to execute on name, image, and likeness opportunities that weren't working in the United States. Right. And, and advocate for all of our foreign student athletes at Yukon. There's over a hundred of them that are not allowed to work in the United States. And work could be as little as pressing uh, publish on an Instagram post or negotiating a deal. So Amon, you could call up Jordan Hawkins. Well, he's, he's gone now. So let's go. You could call up, uh, you, you know, you call Alex up Caravan. Alex Caravan because he's done it and you could pay him a hundred bucks for a podcast. At, and, and these guys might show up and do it. Like, um, you know, I've talked to a lot of people with, uh, large podcasts or radio shows, and they're paying $250, $300 appearance fees to top tier college basketball players from across the country. And so, you know, I, I, but Adama can't do that, right? Mm -hmm. And Aliyah Edwards can't do that. So now yeah. we started advocating last spring and fighting around with different areas of the university. And we found out, okay, well, these are all the ways we could do it within our university. Now, how do we change it at the federal level? the immigration level, 
Yeah. So we've been fighting that battle too. Like, hey, Homeland Security, this isn't work in the way that they're coming and taking someone's job, right? And <laughs> so that's, that's what I mean when I say, I don't know what my job is today uh, <laughs> because it is so different. Then you start yeah. to extrapolate from those two players, all of men's basketball, all of women's basketball, all of football, hockey, yeah. right, baseball. Like UConn has a championship athletics program that we now have a uniform level of success, which is compete for national championships, right? There's not a program at UConn that's it's acceptable to be the Big East champion mm-hmm. or hockey East champion. That's no longer the standard for anything we do. And so they need to win the nil uh, evolution. It, it's not a war. It's, a, it's an evolution. This is going to change a couple more times over the next couple of years. And that's why we want to influence it as opposed to let it come to us. Mm-hmm. Conference realignment back with Ward Manuel, right? Like, like that, was, that was wrong. They should have been influencing that. And so, um, you know, I think we have a leadership team at the university with David and Rodenka, our coaches that know we have to do this, right? And so those stakeholder groups um, require a lot of traffic directing and prioritization. Sure. And so we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so great with, with 600 student athletes, like you mentioned, everyone has a different story. Everyone has different hobbies or likes or something that could work for them from a, from a sponsorship angle. Um, just from, you know, from that experience of working with so many different athletes, what is it that you get the sense that they are looking for themselves, you know, from, from these types of opportunities? So again, you have a, you have a very group. Some just want to get paid. Like, Hey, how do I get paid? Okay. Well, it's going to be hard if that, if that's <laughs> where we're starting at. Right. Then you have some that want to build nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Then you have some that want to learn about business and use this as the platform so that they can make some money while they're actually learning about it. I, you know, I'm always amazed, like sitting there, Andre Jackson, sit there and ask you questions, ask you questions, ask you questions. Why is this? Why is this? Right. He's trying to learn about business while he's doing it. Um, you know, and, and you can you can go through these these different uh, experiences of student athletes and see that there's they're just not there's no uniform approach to this. You know, there, there's just some are like, oh, it's not even for me. Right. It's just I don't want to do social media. I don't want to like I just want to play football, like leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, like anything else, as you start to, to gain adoption, you start to get some local businesses involved, right? Like Gansett Raps has been one of the great sponsors of our, our student athletes, um, really getting out there and doing deals with kids, getting them a couple hundred dollars, getting them to, to help, uh, you know, explode their own business on campus. And, um, you know, it, it, they, those local businesses have the chance and the opportunity to impact our athletic program now in a way that they never could before. And so, you know, I, I think doing that with student athletes, it makes their education real, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and they don't even think that, oh, I'm sitting in a classroom, right? Like nobody wants to sit in a classroom and listen to me drone on for an hour. Like, mm-hmm. but, oh, I'm doing this thing and I'm learning like, hey, and like, thank you notes. As, as basic as that, and you think about it, but they're 18 year old kids. They're not trained professionals. Yeah. Like, hey guys, you know, you, 
you know, you just you just did uh, a huge thing. Like these people didn't have to put their money to you, right? Send a thank you note. Andre Johnson, a walk-on, gets a $25,000 deal with degree, right? He was going to the final four whether we made it or not. <laughs> and, you know, and, and Rudy Gay had said, oh, that's just a $25,000 budget without championship labs. Like if, if, if Andre Johnson has to produce all that content without support, he just has a budget. He mm-hmm. doesn't have an income. And so, you know, everybody wants a little something different. Most yeah. kids are working to get mom's rent paid. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Bring their parents to the games pay for their parents to travel to their athletic. That's, that's 80% of all nil money. Those two things. I mean, it, it, it really is. When we get into the foreign student athletes, one or $2,000 is life changing amounts of money. Yeah. Life changing, you know, Samson Johnson, Dama, you know, we got uh, Yusuf uh, Singari coming up uh, another Molly born big man, right? Like that's, that's what we're talking about. So, I, I think um, Paige is the outlier. Yeah. AZ's the outlier. <laughs> Everybody else is trying to figure that out, right? Yeah. No, the superstars, it's really obvious, right? Like, you know, brands come to you when you're when you're Paige Beckers or, or Ozzy Fudd, certainly. And and that's great for them too. You know, it's a brand new space. But yeah, maybe, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how, you know, a softball player or a track player, you know, what what this opportunity means for them. I think it's you know, pretty clear what someone who plays football or basketball, you know, there's, there's opportunities, there's, they play on TV, but like you mentioned, UConn has many other popular sports beyond the, the ones on TV all the time. So what does it look like for some of those players? I'm going to give the example of a women's soccer player we're using. So we can use an actual example as opposed to a theoretical. So her name is Jess Mazzo. She's, she's working to become a professional soccer player. She was on the Colombian national team. She's from Bridgeport, Connecticut. And, um, you know, like doesn't have an Instagram following massive. So what do we do? We sit down and we build a strategy that works for her. Um, she's not going to make $200,000 as a women's professional soccer player. Right. And so, all right, how do we start to generate revenue streams that are going to allow you to focus on being the best professional soccer player you can be. And so we break that down. All right, let's build a camp first camp you know, $5,000 revenue goal, business sponsoring it from Bridgeport. How do we do that? How do we get Bridgeport businesses, Bridgeport area businesses to sponsor having a camp? Who do we collaborate with? Let's call Cardinal Sheehan. We've been collaborating with them. It's a great organization. It goes back to Chris Smith and Oliver Macklin, right? Like it, like there's nothing more, uh, there's nothing more UConn in my opinion than Chris Smith and Oliver, right? And like that Bridgeport <laughs> Cardinal Sheehan basketball league. So like, let's go collaborate with them, start to build it in. She's working with a student support team that is helping her build her camp, understand what she needs. She goes through Kevin Freeman. We go through them. We work, we learn from Kevin Freeman. What are all the pieces for Kevin Freeman's camp, right? He's, he's, uh, uh, you know, how do you do it? Where's the insurance? Why, how do we buy it? Start to help them work through all of that. Then you turn around and you know, you, you, they're, they're hitting the point where now, all right, we're getting close enough. We're gonna have to start the promotion of this and the sales aspects of this. And Jess is learning each of these steps along the way on a small camp. Five years ago, she wasn't allowed to do it, right? Then as that camp grows, 
how do you turn that from a $5,000 opportunity into a $25,000 and $50,000 a year opportunity? So maybe she's a professional soccer player with a camp, right? And then that camp starts to feed her social. So her social brand is about her camp set. Now, fast forward a year from now, instead of having uh, no social, she has 1,500 followers. Fast forward three years, she has five, 10,000 parents, kids doing this. Start to sell them. Maybe there's, there's just Mazo merchandise, right? Like we, we've all seen that. Um, you know, there's different opportunities. People, other businesses, bigger businesses, national businesses coming in, seeing the professionalism with which she runs her camp, right? The old days, you just wait till your, your, your pro career is over and you start this journey. And so why did we choose camps? It's one, she could do it. Two, being a UConn soccer player gave her a legitimacy in that area. Three, it creates her follower base. And four, it starts to prepare her for a, a, a career as a coach, right? So now when she's finishing up her pro career, instead of saying, well, maybe I want to coach, she says, I can coach. Look at the camps I've been running. Look at the, the connections I have across this industry. I should be a, a, a division one soccer coach. I don't need to be a high school coach. And then the, like, nice. I've already been building this. And so helping a student athlete think through those type of decisions, really important in the non-revenue sports, but also creates tremendous uh, equity for women athletes in a way that she would have been a school teacher or a nurse and then trying to be a professional. That, that doesn't work. Like, let's not lie. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're not willing to pay a living wage to women's professional athletes, right? Lou Lopez Seneschal, another person that, that works with Championship Labs and then is in our academic program this past year, she signed this contract the other day for $72,000 to be in the WNBA. Right. Like, that's not her whole career. She mm-hmm. needs to develop those revenue streams that allow her to live the life she wants to live. And, and we think if you look at Sue Bird, what if Sue Bird had been doing that for 20 years, right? right? Sue Bird's a multi-multi-millionaire, like insane rich today, <laughs> instead of building it, working at it, driving it home, right? And so, uh, you know, th- those are some of the, the opportunities at hand for mm-hmm. every student athlete at UConn. We think the camp is, for a lot of people, the first step, right? Yeah. Um, I have a track athlete running for food. Like she's trying to run to raise money for food insecurity and you, you know, get people to sponsor every single mile. And that's her dream. And, and she's not, she's, she has money. She has a career that she's working towards. She has all these things, but the meaning of helping people that don't have enough money for food, like that's really important to her. So like keep building on that. Right. And that's when I personally, uh, you know, I, I, I've said to her like, Oh, well you'll have me personally, like, don't take me off the emails. Like I'm personally going to be involved in this. So, you know, um, it, it, it's a lot of fun helping them. And, and we still don't even know what that next thing is. This is only the first run through on, yeah. the, on the support side. Well, it's so great that people are also able to use it to do great, uh, great things in their community. I know you mentioned what Paige Beckers is up to out there in Minnesota, opening up a food kitchen and, um, you know, Adama Sonogo doing the same, doing something similar um, and players of all sports can get involved and also set themselves up, you know, for a brighter future, which I think is, is great because we do know a, lo- a lot of stories about kind of 
student athletes or, or college athletes, their career, their athletic career um, ends and they're kind of at a, at a loss on what to do next. It sounds like this gives them a really great foundation for what's next. Um, a running start. Yeah. A running start. That's, that's the idea, right? Which like it's awesome. hard, it's hard to do business. It's hard to do life adulting as the, as the kids <laughs> call it, right? Like, like it's not easy, man. Yeah. It's not easy for anyone. And so giving them the, the repetitions, the freedom to fail while they're at UConn, that, that's one of our, our goals overall is giving students the freedom to try and fail and not have it be like this black mark on them mm-hmm. and um, teaching them that, that, hey, guess how you be great is you try and, and it, it doesn't work out and you, and you realize I'm coming back because I, I want this to work, right? And there's that yeah. resiliency. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I know, uh, I know we're, we're, we're short on time here, but that, that really, when, when I think of what makes me proud um, is giving student athletes the chance to try something off the court, off the field and, and learn from it and um, prepare themselves for life every day. Um, cause, yeah. cause they'll do the work. If you, if, if you show them how they'll do the work. Of course. Yeah. I think it's great that you mentioned how someone like Andre Jackson, you know, for, for fans, it's probably not that surprising that he'd be dedicated to anything he puts his mind to um, which, which might include this, this kind of stuff as well. Um, yeah, David, final question here. And thank you so much for being generous with your time. I know you're, you're out in California meeting, uh, meeting the Hollywood stars and the pro athletes and, and took some time to meet with, to speak with us. Um, just final question for, for UConn fans interested in supporting these efforts as best as they can. Maybe they've got $50 in their, you know, burning a hole in their wallet. Maybe they're an executive at a company. Maybe they're a small business owner. Um, you know, what, whatever it is, there's, there's thousands of UConn fans who probably could help out a little bit more if they knew how, uh, yeah. what might you say to those people? So, I mean, you know, fans that, that are, are, are casual people and fans, you know, donate to bleeding blue for good.com, you know, that they're, they're a nonprofit collective designed to create opportunities for, for student athletes to earn money and, and, um, you know, you can, you can say what you, what sport you wanted to go to, you know, those, those sort of things. Um, there's a lot of different ways, uh, bleeding blue for good is, is, is one, um, two, you know, if you're a local business, um, you know, you can walk in and, and hire, uh, Andre Jackson to come to your business. You can come in and get, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, probably not Aaliyah because she can't work unless she's in Canada, but, <laughs> you know, certainly any of the American born players like, you know, Aubrey Griffin, these are a thousand, two thousand dollar investments where you're guaranteed to increase your traffic flow. Um, it's not just social media, right? It's public appearances, it's autographs, it's, it's all of these things. And like, you probably think if you're, if you're running a small business or a restaurant or something, well, I could never get Aubrey Griffin to come, you know, like the daughter of NBA star, it might be a thousand or $2,000, right? Like you, you need to come in and, and, and understand the promotion and marketing, but um, college athletes, football players, right? Like Victor Rosa, like these guys, um, you know, they're looking for these opportunities and they're, they don't know how to connect with you. And so I think um, you can stand up, you can, you can reach out to me, you can reach out to the athletic department, we'll put you in the, in the right place to talk to uh, folks, we, we can't make the deal happen, but, but we can help educate you on how to do it individually. 
and then you know then i think there's uh, uh there's also sort of that um that element of uh really spreading the message you know sitting down learning and and, and advocating for things like blue bleeding blue for good advocating for opportunities for our student athletes um talking to the local businesses in connecticut and saying hey how come how come you're you know you're a car dealership i'm buying my car here how come how come you never have a UConn player here? Like, can't we do that? Right? They'll they'll listen to you, um, and that's one of the things we tell our player, our, our, our student athletes, is like advocate for yourself because nobody else will, and um, they'll listen if you if you say it, and and if it's real, and five of you are saying it, like there's no chance it's not going to happen. And so if you're walking into businesses in Connecticut and shopping there and, and, and saying, like, hey, how are you supporting UConn? How are you supporting UConn athletics? This, this is our, our state's program, right? Like, this is all of ours. And if we're not willing to do it, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. So I think um, for where we want to see UConn go and where we want to see UConn athletics go, you know, the fans have a much bigger voice and more agency than they realize. And um, I think those are the two pieces. Donate. Uh, if you run a business, get in and start spending money. We'll help you. And then uh, advocate, advocate, advocate. If you're spending money in Connecticut, ask for them to support UConn. Very nice. David Noble, thank you so much. Uh, Director of Championship Labs and uh, from the UConn Worth Center for Entrepreneurship. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and we look forward to staying in touch and best of luck with everything. Thanks. Great to be here.